0: Hello and welcome. Today's guest is someone I've been itching to talk to for some time. Suzanne Dibble is a former corporate lawyer who's worked alongside the likes of Sir Richard Branson and Simon Woodruff, the founder of the Yosushi restaurant chain and one of the original dragons on BBC's Dragon's Den. Well, after winning many awards for her legal work, a few years ago, Suzanne decided to step away from the corporate world to start her own venture, the Small Business Legal Academy fast forward to today and she's recently published a best-selling dummies guidebook on the subject of gdpr and if you've never heard of gdpr don't worry you soon will suzanne welcome
1: thank you it is an absolute pleasure to be talking to you today
0: well you've done so much already it's really hard to know where to start but um perhaps you could tell me a little bit more about where you're from and how you ended up as a corporate lawyer
1: well, I, oh, I can. I can give you the abridged version or the very long version. I think for the sake of listeners, we'll we'll stick to the abridged version. <laughs> uh, now, some of you, uh, if you listen to me talk a little bit longer, you'd notice my flat A's. Uh, so even though I've lived down south now for about 25 years, um, you can still detect the northern accent. So I grew up in the northwest in, in a county called Cheshire. And... Um, I went to a, a private school, actually, and uh, it was the type of school where if you were good at science, you were going to be a doctor. And if you weren't good at science, you were going to be a lawyer. That's about as extensive as the career advice was back then. And as you can tell from the way that my career went, I wasn't very good at science. So it was really you, you were sort of pointed into in those directions. I, I did a placement, I seem to remember, at the local and I mean, very local sort of high street law firm, and the the managing partner drove a very fancy Jaguar, and I thought that'll do for me. I'll uh, I'll go into law. I'd love to give you some tale about, you know, I went down to the criminal law courts and was, you know, saw a, a travesty, a, a miscarriage of justice that I wanted to remedy in some way. Um, but actually, it was a little bit more superficial than that. Um, but you know, saying that, um, it, it's been a brilliant career for me. It's allowed me to. Uh, do pretty much everything that I've wanted to do. Um, it's exercised my gray cells, certainly. It's um it's it's enabled me to meet some incredible people. Like you mentioned, I've worked alongside Richard Branson and Simon Woodruff and other fascinating entrepreneurs. Uh, I've been doing the kind of deals that you you would read about on the front of the ft i've worked at itv and led the biggest deal that they ever did when we were transmuting over from the analog signal to the digital signal so i've just i've had a a fantastic career in law and then i was very blessed that i was able to start my own practice which has allowed me to work totally flexibly around my children so I consider myself very lucky actually to have not been good at science uh say that I've gone down the the legal route rather than the medical route although saying that I am suggesting to my daughter that she might consider medicine um because obviously I've, I've had lots of experience of doctors with um my husband and and my mum and other members who family members who've needed um the support of these brilliant people so i'm pushing I'm, I'm suggesting that she might like that route but but for me the legal route has been uh, has been a joy really
0: and what a journey it's been as you say i mean you've worked for some of the the top companies around the country and then to 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 branch out and set up on your own that that's a, a huge achievement and as you mentioned you have worked with some of the biggest names uh in the corporate world like richard branson well, what was that like
1: it was well at the time to be honest i didn 't realize what a big deal it was, having now been in a circle of entrepreneurs for the last ten years since i've set up my own business i've realized that most of those entrepreneurs would literally give their right arm to go for dinner with Richard Branson um, and not just people in this country but all around the world and I did that many times i I went uh, to his house in um, uh, in Holland Park. um, I went for dinner with just him and three other people to a very cosy little restaurant in Chelsea. We went clubbing together on the King's Road. And at the time, you know, I really didn't think that much of it. I mean, he's he was a great guy. We had a lot of fun, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking, goodness me, I'm here with a, a living legend um, in the entrepreneurial world. And he was fantastic. I mean, he I wrote a blog post, actually, um, about the things that I learned from him. And what he was excellent at doing was finding really good people and then letting them get on with it. So, um, you know, he, he wasn't one to micromanage, um, that's for sure. and um, And I think that actually is a real skill. Mm-hmm. But also... Just such a people person. When we went for dinner, we went we went to the pub first. um I can't remember the name. A lovely little pub on on a corner of the Kings Road in 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 uh, Chelsea, um, and everyone was staring and pointing and saying, you know, there's Richard. And you know, rather than getting annoyed by it, he'd sort of you know give them a little wave. And I thought, well, that's jolly nice of him. And then we went to the restaurant and. I kid you not, by the end of the meal, the whole of the restaurant had pulled up a chair around our table. It was only a cosy little place, you know, it's like maybe 30 people in there. And he was regaling the entire, you know, the the 30 or so guests with stories about um, his life, about Virgin. And they were loving it. And he, you know, he was so giving in that way. He didn't seem in any way annoyed that these people were interrupting a private dinner. Um, and, And he was like that all the time. You know, he'd come into the office and he'd... He would. Um, Virgin were very good to, to their staff, and, and I believe still are. There was a, a games room downstairs with a table tennis table and some games consoles, and free food and free fruit, and etc. And he would he would regularly pop in, and he just he just you know made everyone so at ease, and uh, a really huge people person. Um, and and of course, there's his legendary vision. You know, I think. Um, you know that was evident in in the way that the company was set up. We had a specific um, team that that purely looked at ideas that people sent him. Um, and every single one was looked at. Um, and obviously, you know, the ones that had viability were taken forwards. But um, you know, he had his own within all. He had about twenty five group companies at that time, and. Um, he still, you know, had this venture capital arm that was actively looking for new ways to make the customer experience better, which is really what the Virgin Group was all about. So yes, fantastic time working at Virgin and and getting to know Richard and um, learned a lot from him.
0: Would you say he's influenced you in any way, Suzanne?
1: Well, I mean, even before I met him, actually, I'd I'd read all of his books and and if if he'd have asked me what I wanted, who, well, who who I wanted to be when I was. Uh, sort of 15, I would have said, I want to be the female Richard Branson. Uh, So, I've obviously failed on that. And unless, you know, in the next sort of 20 years, I'm, I'm going to build and grow sort of 25 companies to the level he has, I think I've failed on that. But he certainly ignited in me my entrepreneurial spark. And I think that that was what made it a lot easier to walk away from quite a structured corporate life. To set up my own business, and I've spoken to lots of lawyers since, who I know would particularly women, actually, who at the point that they had children wanted to still have some career, but they didn't want to um, have the the demands that the you know the corporate job placed on them. Um, they just weren't brave, or they didn't feel that they were brave enough to walk away from that and set up their own venture. So I think that he certainly gave me that, and um, uh, and and working there as well you know even there was already always an entrepreneurial yearning there but but it it sort of um gave me the confidence almost to to see that through
0: that's great i mean you must have been worried as well about stepping away from that well-paid corporate job to set up your own venture
1: absolutely yes i mean i was on a multiple six-figure package and and to go from that to nothing is scary for anybody but um but i knew that i mean i was i was a corporate lawyer which are the typically you know that's the longest hours that you'll ever do in a in a legal job Um, and i it was you know regularly you were working 18 hour days weekends i think the longest i went without any sleep was three nights we um we did the deal we signed the deal at 10 a.m on the Monday. I think we'd worked all all over the weekend. Um, It was this Swedish um, management team and they'd brought their 10 bottles of vodka and or whatever fire water it was from sweden and at 10 a.m after you know not having had any sleep for three nights they got that out and did the old you know the toast where you have to look each other in the eye go around the table and skull etc i think by and then and then they took us out for lunch and and more drinks after that by by 3 p.m um i went home hallucinating um because of the lack of sleep and by then i'm sure the um the, uh, the vodka but um it, it just wasn't a job that was compatible with with having a small family so um in the end it was it was a fairly easy decision to make in that i'd just become pregnant with my first child and um i knew that i you know i just i couldn't carry that on um so for me it was it was because it was such a tough job it was almost an easier decision to make mm-hmm. if you like um, and, and also I was fortunate in that my husband's got a good job. Um, his, his wage you know covered the mortgage and yes, we would probably have to go without a few a few things if, if my business failed, but you know we had that security of knowing that the mortgage would be paid. So I think I was in a very fortunate position. Um, and you know I, I had confidence in myself. I knew that I was you know I'm, a, I'm not only a good technical lawyer, but I've got good people skills. Um, I was actively looking forward to going out and networking and finding new clients. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go. Worst case scenario, I'm sure I can, you know, find another job. Um, but it is, it's a big leap, particularly when you've been, you know, been, a, been in a sort of very structured, high paid job. Um, but I'm, I'm eternally grateful that I took that leap.
0: And that, that leap, was that to the Small Business Legal Academy? Was that the first venture that you had?
1: Well, initially, I, as as most uh, people who have an expertise do, I set up as a consultancy and I really wanted to help other women like me. So women who had been in a corporate life but had quit that because they wanted more flexibility when they were having a family and they'd set up their own business. To enable them to work more flexibly so my very first business actually was called lawyers for mumpreneurs dreadful name but it kind of did what it you know it said on the tin mm-hmm. and um, we won lots of awards for that because really there were no other uh, legal offerings in the country that were aiming at that particular niche and very happily at that time there was a whole industry that was growing up around mumpreneurs so there were lots of conferences there were trainings for mumpreneurs there were bloggers for mumpreneurs there were membership science from entrepreneurs so really I just became the lawyer of choice for that, uh, that for that sort of industry and very quickly became um, overbooked so I realised that I was working the hours I was working in the city but because I was trying to set my fees, you know, at a le- obviously a, a much lower level for, for um, small businesses to be able to afford my fees. Um, I was getting paid nowhere near what I was in my corporate job. Right. So um, so I thought, well, that's not um, where I wanted to be. I don't want to be working as hard. That was the whole reason for starting my own business. So I, I got to a sort of a, one of those sliding doors type moments where I thought I've got to do something. And I thought, well, I can either hire more lawyers and expand that way or I can productize my expertise. And I thank my lucky stars pretty much every day that I went for the, I'll productize my expertise route rather than I'll take on more lawyers. Um, you know, it's been, yes, a lot of a lot of hard work initially to set up the, that's what ultimately it became the Small Business Legal Academy. That was my way of, of productizing my expertise. Um, I remember, my youngest, I was, I was breastfeeding my youngest. She was probably only four months old when I decided that I wanted to do it. And I um, I sold it before I'd actually created it. And then the idea was that I would produce the content over, um, I think it was eight weeks that I'd promised to produce it, but I'd vastly underestimated the amount of work it would take, particularly to film the videos that I wanted to film. and And so I was, I remember I was probably only i was working through the night i was probably getting two hours sleep a night for about those eight weeks which which did nearly finish me off (laughs) um but it was and you know then it was done and actually the people who initially bought bought from me were very generous and i said you know i'm I'm very sorry but it's taken so long to do the videos i'm going to follow you know the videos will follow later And, and people were very kind about that and said yeah no problem um but um it was it was I think people think with a passive income there's there's no work to do at all but of course there is. There's lots of work to do up front but the joy of it is is that now that that's all set up or, uh, you know the content's there it's all automated um, obviously I have to spend time in updating it I, I'm always adding new documents and new materials to it and making sure that it's all up to date but once the bulk of the work is done I'm effectively earning money while I sleep mm-hmm. um, without the Uh, the stress of managing other people Um, so obviously I mean I have a small support team but you know it's nothing like managing a team of lawyers for example so um, so yeah it's that was the early days of the Small Business Legal Academy and we started out you know I say reasonably small although there was still a, a, a very good amount of materials in there and that was in 2013 so for the last seven years we've been constantly adding to that we've had many many thousands of members now go through that uh we do it on a renewal basis so that if people want to um renew for a following 12 months access they pay a much reduced fee and i think our renewal rate is something like 85 percent which is fantastic wow wow um and so yeah it's been i know i've helped lots and lots of small business owners um it's been very satisfying to do from that perspective um but also, it's you know, it's over the years earned me a very, very nice passive income. Um, so, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been a win-win really.
0: It's been a, a wild ride as well, by the sounds of things. And just for anybody who's who's not come across the Small Business Legal Academy, maybe you could just tell us what it is and 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 why it's of benefit. Yes.
1: Yeah, so what I realised was that. Um, for small but this is it's really for very small businesses probably the micro businesses although I have larger businesses there but really who I was creating it for was the micro businesses up to 10 employees that kind of size business and what I realized was seven years ago um, was that there was sort of two far-flung ends of the spectrum. You could either pay for one-to-one legal consultancy, which a lot of small businesses just perceived that they didn't have the budget for, so they weren't having any legal protection at all. And then at the other end of the scale were the the template sites, but certainly at the time, and they're not actually that much better now, you don't know who's produced them and very often it was non-lawyers who were who were producing these templates but what i found was i had lots of um, in the end, clients coming to me or people who ultimately became my clients but they'd first tried a template site and they they brought a template that they'd bought to me and said i brought i bought this template to do x I've tried to complete it, but I just, I can't get it to do what I want it to do. And I'd have a look at the template and find that they'd bought completely the wrong thing for what they were trying to do. So there was this kind of grey area in the middle. And I thought, I want to put something together that bridges that gap and gives those small businesses who can't afford or perceive that they don't have the budget for the one-to-one legal advice more of a protection than they're getting at the moment. So um, my legal academy includes all of the templates that any small business is likely to need, so from terms of business, uh, website terms, privacy notices, cookie policies, IP documents, employment documents. Um, you know, I've got a coronavirus business protection, or business, sorry, coronavirus business survival module in there. Um, all of the documents that you can think of that you would need to run and protect your small business are in there. And then... But aside from that, so that's, I suppose, the sort of more traditional template site offering. But then around that, you've got, there's an eight-week email course that guides businesses through the types of legal issues that they're likely to face because very often, small businesses just don't know the issues that they're supposed to be thinking about. Um, And then that course sort of signposts people to the resources within the academy that will help them. So, for example, there's a, a... Uh, the first part of that course is a legal audit and um, it might say you know have you used a a designer to design your logo yes if yes have you got an effective assignment of intellectual property does it say this this and this if not then go and look at the ip assignment letter and get that signed so it's it's sort of it's a very easy to use way of, of directing people identifying the legal issue and then and then directing people to the resources um, there's trainings in there and um, i do regularly regular monthly trainings on on the the sort of hot issues and upcoming issues um, there's an, a comprehensive ebook in there there's checklists there's um lots of guidance notes there is action plans for people who actually want to take on a week-by-week basis and and put all of the legals in place in their business. I literally put everything in there that I could think of that would make it as easy as possible for small businesses to put all the legals in place and protect their business.
0: You're right. It's one of the areas that I think most business owners tend to overlook, particularly when you're just, just getting started. It's an area that you think, yeah, I'll get to that later. Right now, I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. excited because I'm starting my business and you know I want to set up a website. I want to start getting clients and you don't yeah. really put too much no. thought behind the legal aspect of of what you're creating. And of course, these days you have to have that type of protection
1: well that, that's it it's it's not a purchase that business owners are excited to make to be honest it's, it is similar to the insurance uh, buying process i suppose um it's not a fancy new logo or a website yeah. or you know th- that, they're the kind of things that excite business owners but you see the the reason that i'm so passionate about helping small business owners with this is that i see what happens when they don't cover themselves and and very often it's it would have been so easy for them to have protected themselves so for example i I had a lady come to me and she said um, very small it was just her in her business she was um, uh, I can't remember she was a consultant and she would paid a friend to do all of her website copy for her and it was she paid her five thousand pounds which is not an insignificant amount obviously and the they were friends so there was no contract and they fell out um, because I think there had been some understanding that the friend would somehow get involved in the business and that was not quite the understanding that this lady had and they fell out and then the person who'd wrote the web copy said well you're not using it and you know my client said well hang on a minute I've paid you five thousand pounds for it and, the, and the, uh, the other person said sorry you, you, you don't you're not using it and so she came to me and I said um, well have you got a contract and she said no and I said have you got a separate assignment of IP and she said no and I said oh we might have a problem then and she said but hang on a minute I've paid for it I said that doesn't matter if you're paying a freelancer to um, to, to do something then you need an assignment of intellectual property rights now there might be an argument over an implied license to use it but that brings its own problems with it you know in terms of in some instances, you might want to, um, you know, if you've got a um, a name or something like that, you might want to trademark it. And if, if you don't have the full rights over it, that can cause problems, etc. And so this lady could have avoided all of those problems with literally a one page letter um, that is available in my legal academy. Um, and and she didn't. And so she that five thousand she said goodbye to that five thousand pounds. Now we could have taken potentially taken her to court, um, the other lady to court, um, but it wasn't a slam dunk. It wasn't certain that we would win that at all. Um, there was no contract that because there was this confusion over the sort of partnership arrangement, etc. So she she said goodbye to five thousand pounds, and she could have easily solved that if she'd just had a bit of knowledge and access to a one-page document. And and that caused her so much stress. And you know it was it was literally her her life savings that got into this business and and suddenly she was um you know sort of a, a five thousand pounds down before she'd even started um started the business up so um a salutary lesson uh, to all of us, and that's just one example of of the many hundreds of things that I've seen and that is as I say, that's why I'm so uh so passionate about helping very small businesses because it's it's often so simple to solve a problem before it's even. Uh, even become a problem.
0: You're right. There are so many horror stories that you hear of, of things like that happening. And also, I think you know one of the key points there is that even if you've paid somebody five thousand pounds or five thousand dollars for a service, then the question can come about, which is, have you just licensed that content? Is that payment as a, as a license that, of course, can expire, or is it mm. a full on buyout? of the mm. of the of the intellectual property, as you say. and and I think a lot of people can get confused between those two things. and And that's why a lot of people will then say, "Well, it's fine. Take me to court." But the problem with that is, of course, going to court means that you incur a whole load of costs from from both sides and also it's the time it takes to prepare mm. all the information to go to court so
1: absolutely no small business owner wants to end up in court really don't it's it's to be avoided at all costs uh, so yes you're absolutely right it's um it's not somewhere that anybody wants to go unless you've got a really watertight case because the problem is is that if if there is any uh, debate as to how it's going to go then you can find yourself liable for the other party's costs um so not just your own solicitor's costs if you've had listed to help you go to court but also the other side's costs as well if you don't actually win so it's only really if you've got a watertight case that, that i personally you know i would be happy to be in court otherwise it's it's really to be avoided at, at all costs
0: yeah and this is why you hear i think a lot in the the newspapers or on on the tv that a settlement was reached on the steps of the courtroom because people actually they'll push it as far as they can but then they want actually just to settle before it gets into the courtroom because that opens up a whole load of um, areas where you can come unstuck as well
1: yes um, that's true but the best thing is is to not have these problems come up at all because (laughs) even if you've got something going on that might go to court the stress of that is just immense and if you're preparing for court you know most of the legal fees are incurred before you actually get to the court doors so um, you know even if you settle at the door it's not ideal by far the best idea is just to know your risks to cover those off by having the right documents in place and not have to worry about any of it
0: and I think for anybody who's got any type of business as well, something like the Small Business Legal Academy is definitely worth checking out. Where can people find out more about that, Suzanne?
1: Well, if they go to smallbusinesslegalacademy.co.uk forward slash S-B-L-A, which is the abbreviation for Small Business Legal Academy, um, that's the best website to go to. It has a little video that explains what it's all about and lots of testimonials there and um uh, yeah, everything, that a whole list of all of the materials that are included, etc. And we also actually have, although um, that's the only one that's, that's sort of publicly facing for sale, we also have a, an elite membership, which gives people access to a VIP Facebook group where they can ask me any questions that they have. And, and lots of our members love that because it saves them so much time. So, All of the materials would ultimately give them the answers, but it might take them a while to actually, you know, go through the permutations and work out exactly what they need to know. Whereas they can, you know, the the abridged version is just to go into the group, ask me the question and I give them the answer. And also things just from my 20, gosh, how many years is it now? Is it 20 three i don't know i've forgotten how old i am anyway a long time of experience of just dealing with um you know business matters people go in there and ask me about how to deal with suppliers for example you know negotiations with suppliers so i try to help um my uh, my members in in every way that i can and give them the best possible uh, position to be in
0: and for anybody listening as well i'd say that you know it's definitely worth checking that out do give us the uh, the website address again suzanne
1: Small business forward slash SBLA. It's also on there's a tab for it on my Suzanne dibble.com website. And that's if you want to contact me directly through the contact form, that's the best place to find me, Suzanne Dibble.com.
0: Great. And and in more recent times, um, you've published a book on GDPR, um, which is a, a, a phrase a lot of people may have heard of, but they might not be aware of what GDPR is, first of all, what it stands for, and also how it can affect any kind of business that they have. I was wondering if if you don't mind just to spend a second or so just explaining more about GDPR.
1: Absolutely. Yes, I... Um... It was, it was a year of blood, sweat and tears to write this <laughs> book, but I'm so pleased I did. We've now got 135 five star reviews on Amazon um, and it's really helped small businesses, which is absolutely what I wanted to do with it. Um, so GDPR stands for um, general data protection regulations um, if, if you never heard of that then i'm not sure where you've been because there was a big media furore about it two years ago when it came into force mainly because of the vastly increased fines that came into effect with it um, so if you are in breach of the gdpr then in theory you could be fined up to 20 million euros um, or 4% of your global turnover for the last financial year if you are a very big business so you know the Facebook's and Google's of the world it can have a real impact on them mm-hmm. um, and indeed Google's already been fined 50 million euros by the French data protection authority and Facebook's <laughs> poor Facebook's fighting it on every front I think from pretty much every European regulator so I don't know how much they're going to be fined um, but yes I found that um, obviously Pre-GDPR, I was helping small businesses with every area of business law. Um, I had done a good bit of data protection work when I was at Virgin, actually. I did a a big group-wide project um, looking at data protection in all of the Virgin group companies. And I must have done a reasonable job because they actually nominated me for the Solicitor of the Year Award um, as a result of that work, and I was voted runner up in that, which was massively Great. unexpected. And the guy who won it actually was doing some huge infrastructure deal in Africa that had saved hundreds of thousands of lives. So I'll give him that one. I don't mind being a runner up to somebody who saved hundreds of thousands of lives. <laughs> um, but that was when my, you know, my sort of first. Um, foray into data protection and then i realized i was i was merrily actually i was consulting with a um, global data company for, on the, the gdpr and i was in the uh, one of my facebook groups and i'd i'd noticed a, a lot of there was st- probably around sort of january time it came in in may sort of january february there were questions in in business groups in on facebook um, and i was seeing that there was a lot of wrong advice going around these facebook groups and you know you know how it is in networking it's generally the person that shouts loudest everyone thinks they're right mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the case and then somebody in my i've got a facebook group actually for for um, women entrepreneurs somebody in there said does anybody know an expert in gdpr and i thought oh my goodness i've i've been so busy consulting with you know, this, this um, global data company that I've totally overlooked my small business community and the problems that they're having with understanding GDPR. So I set up my GDPR Facebook group, which is called GDPR for Online Entrepreneurs. And very quickly, that grew to 40,000 people within probably just over a month, certainly within two months, it was at that those levels. Um, because there was really nowhere for small businesses to go to get the advice that they needed. It's a hugely complex regulation. And, um, and for those uh, who weren't already familiar with data protection laws, it was a, a whole new thing. And, and many, I was surprised actually at how many small businesses weren't aware of the, the then existing data protection laws. It was all new to them. Um, you know, they couldn't get through to the ICO, which is the regulator in the UK. the The helplines, you know, people were waiting two hours to speak to somebody at the ICO. They couldn't afford to pay a, uh, you know, a lawyer on a one-to-one basis. So I, I set up my Facebook group and I committed to post a video a day for ninety days, which was the amount of time from when I decided to do it until the GDPR coming into force. And I managed to do that. I posted a video. Every single day for ninety days, even when it was two a.m. and we had all kinds of technical problems or whatever, I managed to post post a video, including from the top of the um, Marina Bay Sands Hotel in Singapore on my husband's fiftieth birthday. Wow! <laughs> um, and then we helped, you know, we helped tens and tens of thousands of small business owners, and that was great. But um, I knew that there was lots of people who don't absorb videos well so I, I knew that I wanted to do something like a book to help those small business owners who needed something more solid if you like to go back and you know, it was laid out more in a logical order that they could highlight things if they needed to and tag things etc so I had been thinking of a book for a while um, discussions with Wiley who produced the Dummies Guides went on for a while as well um, they'd actually approached me two years earlier to write a book totally out of the blue uh, because I was guest blogging for Barclays who again had come to me totally out of the blue and um, they um, asked me to write uh, the dummies guide to small business law in the UK and it just wasn't the right time for me to do that so I'd said no to that Um, but then I had those contacts and I just went straight to them and said look I want to write this book are you interested and they snapped my hands off (laughs) and and the reason I wanted to go with the dummies brand is because well, A, obviously it's a very well-named brand, but, but B, it really summed up the essence of what I was all about, which is taking a very complex subject and making it so easy that, you know, my grandma can understand it. I'll say, you know, they call it a dummy. I don't think, you know, certainly none of my readers are dummies, but, you know, it's really about simplifying it as much as possible. And, um, and that's what I've done. I've produced a very comprehensive yet simple guide to the GDPR in a practical context because I think a lot of these textbooks are, well, here's what the law says, but then they don't actually apply it to how that works in your business. Um, so in the marketing chapter, for example, I've broken it down into all the different types of marketing and explained how GDPR actually applies to Facebook marketing. You know, if you've got a Facebook group, what does that mean for that? If you've got a Facebook page, what does that mean for that? What does that mean for custom audiences? What does that mean for your email list? What does that mean, etc. cetera? So um, it's had really, really um, good response from not just small business owners, actually, but also data protection professionals and data protection officers who have just found it a, an exceptionally useful reference guide.
0: I've got my copy right here. Uh,
1: ah, as can, you hear can hear it.
0: And uh, you know, I mean, but to to have written a dummy's guide, I mean, that that's that's a real achievement, I think, for for anybody and for any author um, to be um you know associated with such a well known and established brand. That that's huge. I mean. Adding a published author to your long list of accolades, Suzanne, um, it sounds to me like you are a super determined person. How hard do you push yourself?
1: (laughs) If you ask my husband that now, he'd laugh because I've literally not worked for September or August um, because of a a number of things that have happened. But um, yeah, it it just depends. I've I've got to have the inspiration to do it and and then it's a joy to do it almost. Um. So, so I think it's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable. Uh, you know, it's I. I don't know about you, but I've toyed with the miracle morning. You know, where you get up at five mm-hmm. and you do your affirmations and you do this and then you do that and you do an hour on your one thing and you know whatever. I'm very sort of a type macho. You know, let's let's smash all our goals. And it it works for me for a bit, but then I, then I just want to go back to a normal life and have a bit of a lie in. So I'm not. <laughs> i'd say i'm nowhere near as ambitious and determined as i used to be certainly in my 30s i was um you know i was going to take over the world in my 30s but now i'm really realizing what my priorities are and they are my family um and um well if i'm totally honest holidays <laughs> <laughs> which,
0: so, um, is, which is which isn't an easy thing at the moment is it that's the problem
1: well, well i've just bought a camper van so um <laughs> that's uh, that's my way of uh, making sure i still get the holidays but um you know, and I won't do anything really that that interferes with that now. And um, I had great plans for a new uh, a new project. Um, uh, we were going to get venture capital investment. Um, we were, you know, it's a big tech build. Um, it, it would be fantastic, but I think ultimately I've decided, after a year of of you know sort of going through the permutations of that, um, that life's just a bit too short and um i'm going to just do a a scaled down version of that so in terms of what's next the the big sort of all singing all dancing plan is probably out of the window um and but what i am going to do is is really just upgrade the existing offering make it even better Mm -hmm. um and just just try and reach out to and help more small business more small business owners so um so yeah, just more of the same, but doing it better and helping more people. I also really want to help charities as well, actually. So I'm, this this will happen. Um, I'm I've had lots of modules within my uh, my legal academy, and I really want to put together a charity module for charities, um and um, and, and and probably give that away um, to those charities to help them because we did a special offer. Well, in fact, we gave it away. Uh, without charge, the GDPR pack that I put together to help charities um, become compliant. Um, Unfortunately, the the rush was, the demand was so great. There's clearly a charity grapevine because as soon as the word got round that we were um, doing this free GDPR pack, we were unindated. Um, So we had to charge a small fee in the end to cover our admin costs. Um, But but even so, I know that we helped an awful lot of charities to become um, compliant with GDPR. So I'd like to do more more for charities, definitely, Um, and and expand the offering past GDPR into other areas of, you know, what charities need to consider as
0: well. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds to me like, you know, you've you've certainly got a, a plan in place for what you want to do next but also that maybe that work-life balance now has to kind of play more of a more of a part of what you want for yourself moving forward as opposed to doing so much to give to other people so that that's really important i think as well so um You're obviously super busy, super motivated. How can people find out more about you, Suzanne? If they want to reach out, if they want to join the Small Business Legal Academy, or they want to grab a copy of your book, where can they go to find out more information?
1: Well, the book's on Amazon. Um, It is on offer um at the moment. So it's it's I think it's sixteen ninety nine instead of twenty three ninety nine. Uh so a search for GDPR for dummies on Amazon will find you the book. It's probably the easiest and um you know quickest place to get it from. Um, and in terms of contacting me, there's a contact form on my website, com. um Get in touch that way, and we can direct you to uh, you know it might be the legal academy that you need. It might be that we do do occasionally um, some one-to-one consultancy if you've got a particularly exciting project, um, then we will consider that. Um, but yeah, if, or if you just want to say hi, then reach out. Um, I'm, I'm on. Um, Twitter as um, Law for Online Business, although I'm not on Twitter very much these days. But I do check it every now and then, my messages, so you can always say hi there. Um, or Facebook uh, is also a good one. Or LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as well. But if you want to make sure that I see it, um, a contact message through com is probably your best bet.
0: That's great. And Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy chatting with you. Thanks again.
1: Thank you.